Well, good morning. How's everybody feeling? Just think it's an awesome opportunity that we get to come and worship God the way we just did. Uh, my, one of my favorite lines from that, one of those songs was the, uh, the chaotic love has messed me up so that I could live again. And if you have no idea what that means, I hope that uh, perhaps today you'll hear a little bit about that chaotic love. It's scandalous that God would love sinners. You know, it's, it's crazy that the God of the universe would look down on us people who have broken all of his laws and, simply, and still say, look, even though you've sinned, I still love you. And so that's kind of what this church is all about. This is a place of grace. If you're a guest with us here today, we believe with all of our hearts that if you walked in here broken, if you walked in here frustrated, if you walked in here depressed, if you walked in here guilty, if you walked in here, however you walked in here, God wants to take you just where you are and transform your life. And so we welcome you here if you're a guest. My name is Danny. This is our Greenwood campus. We have another whole campus over at Banta. It's exciting things going on over there, on over there right now. Um, and last week I was there live. I was here uh, uh, via video. Some of you thought I might have been here live, but I wasn't. Um, I talked to a lady in LA Fitness this last week. She said, "Yeah, I came to your church, and we walked out." And uh, I said to my husband, "That was that was pretty good service, you know." And Danny looked really big. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was uh, it was a nine foot image of me here. So uh, I wasn't physically here. I was on the video screen. Some of you are like, "Really? I thought he looked weird." No, I'm just kidding. Maybe 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 that didn't happen. But anyway, uh, we got another whole campus over there. It's exciting stuff going on. God's God's uh, doing great work. You know, a couple years ago. Uh, someone came down front here and said, man, what's going on in this place? There's all kinds of people coming, there's excitement in the air, there's electricity. And, you know, I, I, I kind of answered his question. I don't remember what I said, but, but I remembered his question. And it stuck with me for the last couple of years. And I thought to myself, you know, I think the answer to his question is, as, as to why so many awesome things are happening at our church is because what we've tried to do is simply align our heart and will with the heart and will of God. That's what we've tried to do. And that'll pop up here in just one second. There it is. <laughs> what we've tried to, it was like a half a second. Uh, what we've tried to do is align our heart and our will with the heart and will of God. And I believe because we've tried to do that as a staff with our leadership team and our elder board, we've simply said, God, what is it that you want to do in this world? We're not going to try to do our own thing. We're just going to try to do what you want to do. And as we've discovered that, we've tried to align ourselves with that. Have we done it perfectly? No. Have we missed things? No. I'm sure there's things that, that God wants done in this world that our church is not yet with or doing or a part of. But to the best of our ability, what we're trying to do is say, God, we want, we want to be your hands and feet in this world. With the talent, the skill, and the resources you've given us, help us to, to do what you want to do. And I believe that's why hundreds and hundreds and, uh, and over this last year over a thousand people put their faith in Christ and, and were able to meet and give away hundreds of thousands of dollars overseas and, and see people's lives change in Cartagena and Nicaragua and Colombia. And now we're talking about branching to Africa uh, to make a difference in our world. That's what we're trying to do. And so if you're here, a guest with us here today, man, this is a great series for you to come to because it's a picture of where we, we feel like God is leading us in the future. It's not much different from where we've been in the past. We just want to kind of expand our influence. I just want, by way of review, if you, if you haven't been here, I'll just show you the four, four ways that we're, or four focuses we want to have over the next two years. What we said is that we wanted to continue to be a church of groups and create a culture of groups, meaning that, that we believe that, that disciples are made or spiritual growth happens best within the context of intentional relationships. And so if you're not in a group, we're just going to continue to poke you and prod you and make you feel guilty. 
a little bit. <laughs> no, but we want to encourage you to get in a group because that's the best environment where you can grow spiritually. Then we said we're going we're gonna to try to influence or expand our practical needs efforts in the world. And just, you know, Jesus cared not just about the soul, but he cared about people's physical being. You know, did they have food, clean water, are they healthy, you know? And so we try to care about people's physical condition. We want to expand that. We want to, we want to go from giving 6% of our total budget to 7%. It's about $4,000 increase per month to, to things like that overseas and locally, just meeting practical needs. Then we wanted to raise the value of service and just simply challenge more and more people, more of you, to pick up a towel, that's the way we say it around here, is to grab a towel and serve in some capacity. You know, we, we, won't, we won't expand our influence as a church if we don't have more people jump in. Now, not everybody can jump in and start serving because we wouldn't have enough jobs for you to do. But we, we, do, have jo- we do have a need. So, so if you want to step up and serve in high school ministry, middle school ministry, children's ministry, you want to be a greeter or be on the host team or the production team or sing or something like that, we need more people to jump, on, jump in and step up. And then last week, last week we said, number four, we want to continue to reach people with the gospel. Because God's heart is simple. Is simple. Well, it's not simple. <laughs> but at least this part of his heart is simple. That he cares about people. That, that, that he loves individual people. That individual people are insanely valuable to him. In other words, you've never laid eyes on a person for whom Christ has not died. Do you agree with this? That if Jesus came to this earth and he died on a cross for every man, woman, and child, you have never laid eyes on a person that is not extraordinarily valuable. What does that say about a person that Christ died for them? Come on, talk to me. It says that they're, they're crazy love, they're, they're, that God loves them, that, he's, that they're incredibly valuable to him. And so, and, and so that, that means you too. And so when you look in the mirror, you look to your left, you look to your right, you see people for whom Christ died. And so we're going to try to reach those people with the gospel. And so why would we do all that? It's because we're church on a mission. We talked about that last week. Some of the last words Jesus spoke to his followers before he went back to heaven, after he rose from the dead, he simply said to them, hey, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go out and make disciples of all nations, every people group, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and I'll be with you to the very end of the age. And that was the mission he gave us. Now, are we done with making disciples? Anybody? Are we finished? Have all the disciples in all the world been made? Well, heck no. And so the church is still on a mission, and that's why we would continue to push and expand and try to launch a third campus in Franklin and try to get into Africa and have a greater impact. That's why we would do all of these things is because we are on a mission. And so we want to continue to talk about that today. How exactly have we aligned our heart and mind with the heart and will of God? We're just, 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 just keep this conversation going. You know, have, have you ever seen a movie or met a person and after you saw the movie or met that person you thought to yourself I know you have because I've done this too you thought to yourself man what a character you ever thought that I mean it happens to me all the time and what we mean by that is that that person we just met or that actor we just saw in that movie they were somehow out of bounds sense of humor the way they dress the way they related to the opposite sex where they spent money the kind of car they drove (laughs) could be a combination of all those things it makes me think of Tommy Boy when I first saw that movie I thought, what a character this guy is. I mean, just, just outside, just, just ridiculous, just did nothing that was normal. And I, I also used to watch The Office. I used to think that way about Dwight. Remember if any of you Office watchers? Just what a character. I know that show is kind of off color, and, and, and I probably shouldn't watch it. I don't watch it anymore, but, but you're not evil if you watch it. It's just a little bit off color. Anyway, I used to watch that and think, this guy, he's nuts. He's a, what a character he is, right? And, so, and in that sense, some of you are characters, Right? You know anybody who's a character today in that sense? Right? You might be sitting next to one. I won't point any fingers. I almost pointed somebody out in the 915. I, I, I had some self-control, though. 
but, but not all of us are characters in that sense. Some, some of us are, but not all of us. Most of us are probably kind of like average, like middle of the road, you know, we blend in, right? We're not characters, but maybe you're not a character in that sense, but here's something that's true about you. You have a character, don't you? See, the difference between saying that person is a character and saying you have a character, you know the difference. It's intuitive, isn't it? See, when I say that you have a character, what do I mean? Don't I mean that you're a type of person? That, that your inner being has been formed and that you have, over the years, you've become a type of person? Isn't that what I mean? In fact, if we look at the Webster's Dictionary, we don't have to, but I'll just do it anyway. This is the definition of character. It's the sum of the features and traits that form the individual nature of a thing or person. What, is he, what, is, what, is it, what does that mean? It simply means it's the character is who you are on in the inside. You know, some of you are generous and kind and loving and, and forgiving and graceful and gentle and patient. And some of you are angry and bitter and frustrated and all you do is complain. You know anybody like that? Do you live with anybody like that? <laughs> We're, we, we are all a type of person. We, we're, our character has been formed and, and to some extent is, is continu continuing to be formed as we go through this life. And character is very important. Do you agree with this? Who you are, your character. That's why when companies try to hire you or if you've ever tried to get a job, a new job, then what do they want from you? They want a, what, a letter of what? How did you know that? Because you've tried it before. What is the purpose of the letter of recommendation? I've written many of them. What's the purpose? The company, the team, the school wants to know what about you? They want to know what type of person you are. They want to know what your character is because your character is going to influence the team. It's going to influence the organization. It's going to influence the school. You're going to represent them. And if you're the wrong type of person, they don't want you. Isn't that amazing? How that works. That's why banks do credit checks and people who, you know, own property do, you know, background checks. And it's why we do background checks here at the church for our children's ministry. Because character matters, doesn't it? Your character matters. How do you, how do you come to know what your character is? You ever wonder about that? How, like, how do you discover your character or the character uh, of somebody else? Well, it's very simple. In your notes, what you do is you, you watch or you observe your behavior. We come to know our true character by watching our, our actions, by watching what we do over time. That's how you discover what you're really like. Listen to what Jesus said. He's the one who pointed this out. He, he said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their what? Say it with me. Their actions. In other words, you can know what a, a person is like. You can know what you're like by looking at your actions. I know a lot of people live in denial, and they have bad actions, and they make a bad behavior, and then they say things like this, and you've probably said this too. Well, I don't know what I was thinking. That's not me. Or we say this about other people. Boy, that's certainly out of character. Well, no, it's not. He did it. <laughs> she did it. <laughs> did she do it? Well, yeah, but it's out of character. No, it's not. It's right from their character. You ever do that by yourself? We don't want to feel bad about ourselves, so we say things like, oh, it's not me. I don't know what I was thinking. I wasn't, I wasn't myself today. Oh, no, you were very much yourself. It wasn't somebody else. <laughs> it was you. Right? We can learn our character by watching our behavior. Right? So here's another question we have to answer. Like, where, like where, what's the source of our behavior? Like, where does it come from? It's so important. 
uh, and I'm going to, I promise me, I'm going somewhere with this. Very, very important. Potentially this can change your life, okay? That's the hope here. Where does it come from? Well, the, the, the source of our character, the source of our, the source of our behavior is, our, is, is on the inside. It's, our, it's, it's from the, at the soul level. I want to look at something Dallas Willard said. I'm going to lean into him because he's much wiser. He's written many books on, on, on this whole idea and the heart and the soul and how it's developed. Listen, listen to what Dallas says. Behavior is driven by the hidden or secret dimension of the human personality. Whoa. So there's a, there's a hidden secret side of you that nobody sees. Nobody's really aware of but you. Watch this. Behavior comes from the depths of the what? The soul. Oh my gosh, you might be sitting next to somebody right now. You don't think they have a soul. <laughs> right? They do. They do. It's just messed up. <laughs> Yours is too. We're going to talk about that. It comes from the depths of the soul and the body. And what is present there, watch this, powerful, will come out. What is he talking about? He's talking about your actions. What's present in the soul is going to come out. Where does our behavior come from? Where do our actions come from? It comes from the depths of our being, who you are in your character. Now, we're going to do a whole series on the soul. I'm so excited about it. In about a month, we're going to do a whole four-week series on the soul and the parts of a soul and how does it all work. It's going to be very, very good. Very excited about that. But for now, I just want you to know you have a soul. <laughs> and your behavior comes from your soul. Okay, listen, listen to what the wisest person ever lived. Listen to what he said in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. He said this, above all else, guard your soul, guard your heart. That's the deepest part of who you are, your inner being, your hidden dimension. Watch over it, guard it. Why? Why, Solomon? Why should I make sure uh, that, that nothing bad comes in and nothing harms it and, and watch what comes out of it? Why? Because everything you do flows from it. Wow. See, we live from our soul. We live from our heart. Our actions, our behavior, our words, our thoughts, everything comes from the inside. No matter what you want to say about, well, she made me do it, and he made me do it, and the teacher made me do it, and the, the president made me do it, or this. No, 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 all that's nonsense. We're all adults here, right? We can't blame shift or point fingers. My behavior and my actions come from right in here, and so do yours. Listen to what Jesus said. Oh, boy. He's a bit of an expert on the soul. What do you think? Agree with this? Kind of created it. <laughs> he said there's a big problem with the soul. Watch this. For from the heart, from the hidden dimension, come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. What a list. Anybody else depressed? Woo, that's a tough list. He's talking about all, all this is behavior. These are all actions. Where do they come from? Come on, where do they come from? Jesus said they come from the soul, they come from the heart, right? If that's true, then our character, next slide, our character is the main source of pain in our life. Next slide. There we go. Uh, th if that's true, then our character is the main source of pain in our life. If you look at, at our choices in, in a world where our, our, our soul has been shaped in a world apart from God, in, in a world that, that, that has no concern for his ways or his laws, our soul has been shaped in that type of world, then, then our choices come from that place. Our choices to steal or kill or lie or cheat or commit adultery or, or exaggerate or, be, or whatever, be jealous, all those things, anger, hatred. It, if, the, if all of that comes from in here, which Jesus said it does and Solomon said it does, then, then what's, what's the real source of pain in our life? Now, that's hard to admit, 
because we want to point the finger and say, it's him, it's her, it's him, it's her, it's the government, it's this, it's my teacher, it's my coach, blah, 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 blah. Jesus says, nope, it's all right here. So the soul has gone astray, the soul is in trouble, the heart, there's something fundamentally wrong at the, de- at, at, at the core levels of our being. And God is up in heaven, he sees all this, and he's, he's going, man, it hurts my heart. And so what, he, what has he done? Out of his love for you, out of his love for me, he has provided a way for you to change at the core level. Because it's at the core level where you, where you really need redemption, where you really need to be healed. See, the gospel is not, and we did a whole series on this recently, the gospel is not about going to heaven when you die only. The gospel is, is, is about you becoming a different type of person at the soul level. You see what I'm talking about? Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to do what? To become what? Just like his son. See, God's plan is for you to transform, to go from who you are to who Christ is. Much like a caterpillar transforms into a butterfly. In fact, this word here comes, this word become, the, 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 the word behind that in the Greek is the word where we get our English word metamorphosis. Which is a word we use to describe the transformation of a caterpillar into a butterfly. That is God's plan for you. This is what Paul said in Galatians chapter 4 to another group of Christians. He said, my dear children of whom I am again in labor pains or pains of childbirth until Christ is formed. Same Greek word. In you. See, Dallas Willard said it better than I could, so I'll just quote him again to you. He said it this way. Watch this. Spiritual formation in Christ is the process whereby the innermost being, the soul, the heart, of the individual takes on the quality or character of Jesus himself. Now, I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. (laughs) Because I got issues inside. I just had to have a whole conversation with my wife just yesterday, and I had to confess to her that I'm just a big, giant idiot, and I get angry, and I, I'm, in, I'm insecure, and, 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 and when she challenges certain things, I, it, it triggers something in me, and then I, and then I, I lash out with, with, with harsh words, and, and will you forgive me? That's my life. How about yours? I had to humble myself, because I got, I, got, I got issues. I'm screwed up at the soul level, but I have hope. I have hope that God, through Jesus Christ, through the Spirit, has given me the opportunity to take on the character of Jesus at the soul level. Because that's where we live from. Our actions, our thoughts, our reactions, our non-actions, our behaviors come right from the soul. Now, at this church, all we've simply tried to do is say, hey... How do we get people to know Jesus and take that step of faith, but, but that's just the first step? How do we get them to engage in this process at, at an organizational level so that thousands of people can not just get saved and go to heaven when they die, but become like Christ? I want to introduce you to somebody right now. His name's AJ. He's going to talk a little bit about that, how that has happened in his life over the last two years. Let's give it up for AJ Mallet. Hey, um, my name is AJ. I've been attending Emmanuel for a little over two years now. And before coming here, um, I knew nothing about God. I thought that there was a God, but I thought that Jesus was just a biblical character uh, and that Christianity was just like any other religion, and it was a a set of morals to live by. Um, I, I lived a life full of heavy drinking, partying, drugs, and I had a false sense of hope and security. And I realized this in February 2013, 
Um, I had an aunt who was murdered, and it caught me by surprise, and I had a lot of anger and hatred and uh, confusion, and I was wondering, you know, why would God allow something like this? And I was scared because I realized evil is real, and it's close to us. And um, my wife comes from a religious background, and her dad and brother are a perfect example of a Christian. And I want to seek their advice, but, you know, I was worried about what they would think, you know. I didn't want to you know, cry in front of them. I didn't want them to think, you know, I was less of a man. So my pride wouldn't allow me to ask them for advice. So I decided I'd come to church. And um, God led us here to Emmanuel. And when I walked in, I remember feeling welcomed. Uh, a lot of other churches I've attended, I always felt like everyone was looking at me wondering, who is this guy and what's he doing here? Um, actually, the funny thing is, when I first came here, I was wearing dress pants, button-up shirt, and a tie. And that was actually the only thing that made me feel out of place because everybody else was running around in normal clothes. But uh, my wife and I made our way up to that corner up there in that dark corner. And we, uh, the first thing we saw was a guy on the screen. Um, given his testimony, talking about all the bad things he's done, all the sin, all the, all the dirt, and uh, people were cheering for him. And, and it helped me realize that these people were just like me, you know. Um, so Danny came up, and he started to preach the Upstream series. And he was talking about how um, God allows troubles in our lives and trials and hardships and even death um, to come into our lives to build endurance and strength and to uh, build our character. And I remember walking out of the sermon thinking, okay, this is some helpful advice for me. So I had to come back for some more. And, you know, I came back week after week. And by the end of the series, I was up in that dark corner again with my head bowed and my eyes shut. And I was crying out to the Lord to come into my life. And I remember after that prayer, I, I was thinking, you know, okay, now I'm a Christian. What's my next step here? You know, um, what am I going to do this weekend? And so the weekend came, and I still had no idea what to do. So I did what I always did, and I got drunk again. And, uh, you know, I, I realized that just because I said that prayer, my heart, my desires hadn't changed. And so I'd been invited to men's group, and I never, you know, joined. And I wrestled around with this for about four months, you know, uh, partying on the weekends, showing up on the Sundays. And um, one, one Friday afternoon, uh, a friend and I were at a bar having some drinks, and the topic of God and Jesus came up. And I remember feeling a sense of conviction and thinking, you know, uh, how can I truly believe in my heart that Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sins, yet live in a way that denies him? And so this thought wrestled around in my mind for the remainder of the week. Wednesday came around, and I realized I had to do something about it. So I attended my first men's group. And uh, I remember walking in those north doors, first people to greet me were Aaron Lucas, followed by Doug Shepard, who, by the way, is a huge blessing to me and my family. He's mentored me and, and helped me through some hard times. Um, but we circled up in the cafeteria, coffee area, and I remember thinking, man, this is strange, because all these guys are together, and they're talking about their feelings and, you know, their emotions and all the weird stuff they do. And... Uh, it's just like, guys don't talk like this, but I knew that, you know, these were the same things I was struggling with. I was just too tough to say it. So it was intriguing to me, and I kept coming back. And um, I would engage. I started engaging in the conversations and asking questions. 
and Danny would answer them and challenge me in ways that uh, I never thought of, and he started to apply the Bible to my life in a way that I could understand it. Um, it was in that small group that I really learned the importance of daily Bible reading, uh, meditating on scripture, solitude, uh, verse memorization, prayer, and it was strange because at first I couldn't understand my Bible and I couldn't apply it to my life, but my men's group would hold me accountable and kept asking me about it. So within time, um, you know, God started to reveal the Bible to me and, and prayer started to feel natural. And uh, one day Danny came up to me and he said, hey, I got something for you. So I was like, cool, what is it? And he reached into his backpack and pulled out a book. It was called uh, The Life You Always Wanted by John Ortberg. Um, it's a book about spiritual disciplines. If you guys haven't read it, I was just checking it out. It's, it's really helped me uh, in my faith. But from this book, I realized there's other avenues of seeking Jesus. Um, you have Christian literature, Christian radio, podcasts. Um, so I start to fill my mind with these things. And what I come to realize is God's not going to do something for you that you can do yourself. He's not going to make you you know, go to men's group. He's not going to make you read your Bible. You know, he's not going to make you pray. And what, what I come to know is, you know, the more that I do these things and practice these disciplines, the closer I seem to grow to him. And, and this Christianity walk becomes easier. Um, you know, I, I'm still, I'm no different from any of you guys. I'm still a sinner in need of God's grace. But I have a close relationship with Jesus now. And I start to notice that, you know, I have more love, happiness, joy, uh, hope, um, patience. I still struggle with it, but my wife said, you know, I'm getting better at it this morning, so praise Jesus. But, um, you know, that, that, that's my prayer for the church here is that, you know, we're not just accepting Christ but having transformed hearts and lives. Thank you. So what we've tried to do as a church is align our heart and mind with the heart and mind of God. And what we discover is that God's heart and mind is to, is to chase after people like AJ to and then to relentlessly pursue transformation. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where the real joy and the real experience of the Christian life uh, begins to become something desirable. Not just going to heaven when you die and saying the prayer and getting a Bible, but actually engaging in a relationship with him and seeking him. And, and, uh, and that's, that's what we're after. That's what we're chasing after. Have we, have we learned how to do it perfectly? No, it's difficult. It's difficult because everybody's different and everybody's got different experiences and struggles and background and all this. But, but hey, as a church, that's where we're headed. Over the next two years, we want to double the amount of people in groups. Why? Because we believe that's the best context where spiritual growth can take place. So we got, do we got to tweak some things? Absolutely. Are we going to constantly be fixing things? Absolutely. But that's, that's where we're headed. So the, 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 the change in someone's life is dramatic if, if you engage. You can, you can deal with stress better. You can end up, you can deal with temptation much better. You can, you can deal with the difficulties and trials of life that come your way much better. I mean, overall, the quality of your life goes through the roof. And that's what we're talking about. The gospel not only saves us, but it solves us here on this earth. So, so let me talk really quick uh, for the, with the rest of our time. How does that actually happen? I'm just going to try to condense about, man, hours of 
information into about five minutes here, okay? So do my best shot. How does spiritual growth actually happen? In your notes there, ready? It, take, it takes action. It takes action, and in particular, I'm talking about habits. Developing habits. It has been wisely said, I can't remember who said it, but we form our habits and then our habits form us. Do you agree with that? It, see, spiritual growth is not a passive process. It's something that you engage in. It's something that you, you actually do with your life. Here's how Paul said it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, work out your salvation. This word salvation is not referring to heaven. We don't work our way to heaven, okay? This, is, this word here means deliverance. Deliverance from fear, worry, lust, anger. Work out your development, your soul, with fear and trembling. This, this is something you must put effort into. Here, again, to quote Dallas Willard, because, you know, I'll just lean into him because he says it much better. He says, character, which is what we're talking about here. Character is formed through action, and it's transformed through action, including carefully planned and grace-sustained disciplines. A few moments ago, A.J. said perfectly, he said, man, I started to learn the value of prayer and Bible reading, and silence, and solitude, and fasting, and these things. Those are, those are the actions that we're speaking of, getting in a group so that you can begin growing spiritually. Anytime I talk to somebody who's really struggling, I mean really struggling, with some type of emotion that's damaging to their soul, or some type of addiction that they can't overcome, or depression of some sort, or high anxiety, or lack of peace, or whatever, and I start to probe into what's going on in their soul, and, their, and, and I ask questions like, hey, what actions are you taking to overcome this situation? And they say, well, I'm busy. Are you reading these scriptures? No. Are you in a small group? No, I'm busy. Are you spending quality time in prayer? No, not really. Well, when you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, have you been taking your medicine? And you say, no. What is the doctor going to say to you? Well, stupid, <laughs> what do you expect? I prescribed this medication, you didn't take it. And now you're complaining about the lack of results? I don't understand. See, it's this kind of the same scenario there. That there's, there's action that needs to take place that you need to engage in if you want to grow through fear, grow through lust, grow through anger, grow through jealousy, grow through a grudge or whatever. If you want to develop your soul, you must take action. Now let me also say... I'm not saying that Christianity is a pull up yourself, pull yourself up by your bootstraps type of situation, or it's a, it's all, it's all dependent upon you. I'm not saying that. It is God in the end who produces the change. In fact, in the very next sentence in Philippians chapter two, Paul says this: "For it is say with me, who? It is God who works in you." See, you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but don't forget, it is God who works in you, both to will and to work according to His good pleasure. See, it's, it's contact with the Spirit. It's divine grace coming down from heaven to empower you and develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all these things. Well, that you need God for that. But, but it's your action that puts you in the space to receive the Spirit. It's that silence. It's that solitude. It's the quieting of the mind and quieting of the soul to receive the Word of God and to receive the Spirit of God each and every day. You have to put yourself in a situation to receive that grace. And if you're just busy, 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 going, 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 doing, 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 and, and you're not practicing any type of spiritual disciplines, you will not be in a position to receive God's grace and his spirit to help you grow. Is this making sense? This is a partnership. 
my partnership between you and God. Some of you for the first time are now realizing, well, that's why I haven't changed in 10 years. If anything, I've gotten grumpier. <laughs> I've gotten more angry, more impatient, you know. And so, yeah, of course you're going to get worse if you don't get better. You're not going to stay the same, see. This, but this is God's heart for you. He is relentlessly pursuing your transformation. So let me give you two quick ones really quick. I don't have time to do many, all of them. Two quick actions. Number one, memorize scripture. Gosh, if I could get you to do anything. Oh, if I could get you to do one thing as your pastor, I would get you to commit a scripture once a week, one a week to memory. That's why in your bulletin there, if you look, there's a section down at the bottom. It says scripture memory for the week, Romans 12, 2. I'll show it to you right here. It's powerful. Watch this. Romans 12, 2 says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but rather let God, say with me, transform you. That's his heart. Change you from a caterpillar into a butterfly, a non-Christ-like person into a Christ-like person. Transform you into a new person by how? Changing the way you think. Oh my gosh, this is so powerful. Why would I tell you to memorize scripture? Why would I tell you to get God's word stuck in your mind and let it be the fabric of the, or the DNA of your mind? Why would I tell you to do that? It's because you change at the core level by changing the way you think. Let me explain what I mean. What I'm talking about, we'll talk more about this in our series on the soul. At the soul level, in the deepest part of who you are, there is the will. That is the place where we choose or make our decisions to do this or to that, to do that. Now, what influences the will? Only two things. Our thoughts and our emotions, what we think and what we feel. So if I want to change a behavior, I have to change the way I think or the way I feel. And then because from those two things, my will is altered or influenced. Let me give you an example. This last week we were having boys time, boys night. My wife took Ruby into the other room and they were doing girly things. And, uh, you know, I, which I need to do more of. It's hard though to watch princess movies. But anyway, anyway, uh, it's... <laughs> So, so we're, we're, we're doing the easy thing. We're doing the boys thing. It's like the bulls playing the calves, right? So it's playoff time. So exciting. Um, so, so a commercial comes up. Normally don't, we don't watch commercials because we try to tape everything and fast forward. But, but for whatever reason, we were live TV. And we're watching this commercial, and there's this dude there with a hole in his throat. And he's got his finger on the hole. And he's in the shower. And he's got the shower head hitting him in the back of the neck. And he says, when you have a hole in your throat, you can't face the shower head because the water will get in the hole. Next scene is he's, he's shaving, and the dude, he goes, when you have a hole in your neck, you gotta, you got to be careful when you're shaving, because you don't want to cut the hole. And then the next scene, the third scene, he says, when you have a hole in your neck, you have to clean it out twice a day. So he sticks this little brush inside the hole. This is like during the Bulls games, like, all I want to do is watch some basketball, and this guy's freaking me out. <laughs> Sticking stuff in his body, he's got a hole in his neck, right? So my, my 11-year-old, my 13-year-old there are, are sitting there with me on the couch, and they're just like, and they look at me, and, they, and of course, my, my, my youngest one's like, Dad, I want to watch that again. I'm like, sure, rewind. We flip it back 30 seconds, watch the three scenes again, and they're looking at me, and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm never going to smoke cigarettes. Never. I'm like, good. Do you want to watch it again? And we zap it back. You know. <laughs> what was happening there? You know what was happening? Thoughts. Thoughts were coming into the mind, right, via a commercial, images, sentences that were influencing the, the, the mind and the emotions and then the will. You see, that's how the will is impacted. What, what was my son saying? I'll never smoke cigarettes. I will never 
smoke cigarettes because I don't want to have a hole in my throat. You see that? The mind, the emotions, the will, all together make up the soul. So when I say, hey, memorize scripture as your pastor because you can change by changing the way you think, I'm not saying, hey, you need one more thing to do to be a good Christian. Go memorize some scripture. That's ridiculous. Okay? When I say memorize scripture, I mean I want you to change at the deepest level of who you are when it comes to sex, when it comes to money, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to worry, anxiety, fear, anger, you name it. I want you to change at the core level. The only way you're going to change at the core level is by changing the way you think. Are you with me? Somebody say amen. Isn't that good stuff? Come on. That's powerful, life-changing truth. Now, I can end the sermon right there. I'm already in the red. <laughs> but I just want to give you one more. Number, one, number two, watch this. Get around people who are crazy about transformation. Like, 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 number one thing in their life is they want to be like Jesus. Get around them. Just, just get around them because you're going to become like the people you surround yourself with. Do you agree with this? We like to tell our middle school students this and our college students this and our high school students this. But it's true about you, <laughs> adult, 55, 65, 35, 25. It's true about you. You, you, you adopt the values and, and, and the, the understanding and the beliefs of, of, the, of, of the people around you. Listen to what Paul said. He said, listen, this is to adults. This is to adults. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Well, the flip side of that is also true. You get some people around you that are of really good character, and they're going to develop good character in you. You become like those people you surround yourself with. That's why Jim Rohn said it this way. He said, you're the average of the five closest people to you. <laughs> and some of you need, to, you need to take heed to that and fire some of your friends. Maybe this afternoon. Because you're becoming like them. <laughs> you, you know, it's, we, we just, we just kind of become like the closest people to us. We adopt their values. Listen, so what does that mean for you and your spiritual growth? Well, if you get around people that their number one priority is to become like Jesus, man, all of a sudden you're going to find yourself kind of going along with that and rubbing off on them and taking on their values and all that stuff, and you're just going to become like them. It's powerful stuff. Now, there's so much more I could talk about. I could talk about silence and solitude. I could talk about fasting. Oh, fasting is so important because it just there's so much going on at the soul level when you deny yourself food. And again, I don't have time to talk about it, but man, I wish I could. And I will later on in our soul series, okay? But there's these, in, you have to engage. Spiritual growth is no passive process, okay? You must, you must participate in your growth. And I promise if you do, if you do, you're going to see changes in your character. And we live from our character, right? Guard your hearts because everything you do flows from it. Out of the heart come all of our choices and behaviors. That's my concern for you. And guess what? That's God's concern for you. He's relentlessly pursuing your transformation. In fact, John Ortberg said it this way. He's written many books on spiritual growth. He said, the primary goal of the spiritual life is human transformation. Whatever else God is up to in this world, and he's up to a lot of stuff, he is up to and concerned about your transformation. That ought to give you so much hope. So over the next two years, that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to double the amount of people in groups, try to focus on how to help people grow spiritually, not just go to heaven when they die. Do we love that? Absolutely. <laughs> Eternity is a long time. Trust me, you want to be in heaven, <laughs> okay? You don't want to go to the other place, so we're going to continue to focus on that. But that's just the beginning of the whole journey. Do you agree with this? So how do you get involved in the next two years? Hey, five quick things. Number one, pray your guts out. Pray your guts out. Right before this service, uh, before the first service, I was in my office just praying for God to do something that's going to blow our minds. Why? Because I believe God answers prayer. 
We're here today in this room because of answered prayers. I'm here on this platform today because of my mother's answered prayers. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. Number two, get, get involved. Serve. Jump in some way, at some capacity, at some level. On the host team, on the greeting team, on the, on the, on the, 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 the production team here. You can serve in the children's ministry. You can serve in you know, our middle school students. I don't know why anybody would want to do that, but, but they need help too. <laughs> No, it's just kidding. Sorry, Jason. Jason's probably here some way. No, you, middle school students are good. I have one. Okay, I think they're crazy. But anyway, high school, you know, wherever, just jump in and start serving. Number, number three, get in a group or lead a group. It's time for you to, some of you to step up and lead and become a disciple maker. Okay? And then number four, relentlessly pursue your friends. If we stop doing that, the whole ship goes down. The whole, the whole thing, is, the whole mission's off. We have to continue to pursue people that are far from God. And then last and not least, but not least, is uh, to participate financially. Now, when I say that, I, I, just wanna, I just want you to know my heart as your pastor. This, this is so, so critical. I want to invite you into an opportunity when it comes to money. I don't want to pressure you or make you feel like, oh, I guess I should. No. In fact, if that's how you feel in your heart when it comes to money and giving to the church, don't do it. I'm giving you permission not to give. If, you're, if there's something inside of you that says, oh, here he goes again. Pastor probably wants to get rich, probably wants to get a new car. <laughs> if you feel that way or think that way, just don't pay attention to anything I have to say in the next couple of minutes. I want to invite you into an opportunity. When, when my wife and I give to this church, we know it's going to people like A.J. Mamet, whose life has been transformed. If you were here last week, you saw Samantha's video. If you were here the week before that, you saw Greg McBride's video. We give because we feel like it's an awesome opportunity. And so over the next two years, if we're going to launch a temporary site and a permanent site and branch out into Africa and maybe even just give more resources overseas, it's going to take about $91,000 a week. Now, you might hear $91,000 a week and go, wow, that's a lot of money. Well, we already do about 81 to 85 around there. In fact, we averaged 89 for the month of March. So it's, 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 it's a church our size, that's not a lot of money. In fact, there's churches on the north side, Carmel and up, up there, that are our size. Their, their weekly offering is double ours. Let that sink in, okay? Now, people say that people on the north side have a lot of money, and maybe they do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really care because we don't live up there. <laughs> we live here. But what I know is that $90,000, $91,000 a week for our church is not a lot of money because we've got 5,000 people coming each and every week. 4,500 people coming each and every week. So, so you have to keep those numbers in perspective. So, but if we do that, we're going to be able to expand and do a third campus over the next two years and branch into different countries. It's just going to be so exciting. Now, one more thing I want to add to that. I mentioned this last week. I mentioned that if we want to get a piece of property very soon, that's not part of the $91,000 a week. We have to raise an additional $400,000 in order to get a piece of property in Franklin. Now, we're looking at a piece of property right now. It looks really good, uh, from my perspective anyway. It's right behind Starbucks on 31, <laughs> which I think might be a sign from God. I'm not sure. I'm trying to discern that a little bit. Uh, there's a Lowe's right there, there's a Chili's, there's a Starbucks, then there's a piece of property right behind that. It's about 30 acres, we only need 15. Who knows? We're negotiating with them right now, talking with them. But whether it's that piece of property or some other piece of property, it's going to be around $400,000, and we just don't have that money right now. We're raising money for the AVL, for the temporary site, which that's going to be about three fifty. dollars It's crazy. The things are expensive. So, so through the month of May, all I've said is, hey, here's an opportunity for you to jump in and give $200 per family, and we would raise that money. 
during the month of May. And if you don't want to do that, here's the thing. You don't have to. I just want you to be involved in what we believe God is doing right here in our community and all across the world. Is that fair? Is that exciting? What do you think? I invite you in. I invite you in. Now, there's some of you here today that, that, that you, you know, I, you're, you're, just, you're just like AJ, maybe two years ago. Maybe you're sitting up in the corner up there where it's dark. Not, nothing, I'm not, it's not a bad place to sit, but that's where AJ was. <laughs> and he just kind of, he kind of walked in here one day, broken, confused. His aunt was murdered. He's looking for answers. And he's up there in the, in the, in the far corner, listening in, getting insight from the Upstream series. And then one, one day, one, a couple weeks later when I shared the gospel, he prayed to receive Christ and Christ came into his life and saved him from his sins. And that began his two-year journey. And there's some of you here today that are just like that. You're in here, you don't want to hear about money and Franklin campus and getting into Africa. And you gotta, you're here because you need to hear this message. This is the message you need to hear. Christ died for you. He had his eye on you. You're insanely valuable to him. He knows that if you don't have your sins forgiven, you're going to spend eternity without him. He doesn't want that. He loves you. In fact, he's, he, in the scriptures, it says over and over and over that Christ revealed his love for you by sending Christ to die on the cross so that your sins can be forgiven. And you need to do what AJ did that day two years ago and what Samantha did if you were here last week. She put her faith in Christ and AJ put his faith in Christ. And he said, how do you do that? Well, you, say, you just talk right to him. That's what prayer is. Prayer is talking to God. You say, God, forgive me of my sins. I put my faith in Christ. I trust him that his sacrifice on the cross was enough to wash away all my sins. I want to be your child. Forgive me and cleanse me. You say something like that to him. And in this, that very moment, I did it when I was 17 in my backyard. I looked up and I said, Jesus, I, I need you. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. And he saved me that day. Perhaps this is your moment right now. If that's you, I'd ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. And if you feel God tugging on your heart, follow his leading and express your faith to Jesus right now. He's listening. Say this to him. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me to wash away my sin. I put my faith in you. I believe you not only died, but you rose again three days later to cancel the penalty of sin and death that I should have paid. I trust you. I love you. And from this day forward, help me to transform, to engage, to begin changing, to experience a new life with you. Help me to honor you and glorify you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed to receive Christ, many others have made that decision, myself included, as I mentioned just a few moments ago. And when I made that decision, I was so incredibly blessed, and I believe you are too, not because it's me, just because you're in this environment. This is God. This is a total God thing. But I was so blessed enough to have someone step into my life and say, hey, great job. I'm glad you said that prayer. Your next step is to begin taking God's word into your mind and into your heart so that he could guide you, show you his will, so that he can instruct you, reveal his values, reveal his heart, how you need to change, 
what needs to get out of your life, what needs to get in your life. And, and I would listen to this guy, and I was like, okay, I mean, I don't know. You probably know. This guy's experienced in church. And so I just took his advice. I went and I got one of those Gideon Bibles, little green things you can fit in your pocket. And I would, I would travel from, from Staten Island into Manhattan every day. I had to get a bus to a ferry to a train and a train to a ferry to a bus every single day. And on those little, you know, public transportation, I'd get my little Gideon's Bible out and I'd just start reading, flipping through pages. I just couldn't get enough. And as time went on, I began to understand it. As AJ mentioned just a few moments ago, when you first start, it's hard to understand. But as you stay with it, God gives you insight. And I started to notice my life changing. I started to discover what God's will for my life was and how he wanted me to change and what he said about money or sex or whatever. And I began to see changes at the soul level. And trust me, there's still a long way to go, but that's how we change. So if you pray to receive Christ today, go grab one of these One Year New Testaments. There's tables to the back over here. I've got friends back there. If you're in the balcony, you can come down. There's a table over here to my left. You can come down or go back and just say, hey, I prayed to receive Christ today. Can I have one of those Bibles? And they'll put one in your hand. Can we give God glory today for what he's done? Man. Hey, I am so excited. I am so excited. I want to invite you on this journey. Look, this is, this is like probably a 20 to 25 to 30 year journey before, you know, we have to like hand it off to the next generation or something like that. So will you join us? Let's, let's try to make the biggest impact that we possibly can with the time that we have. What do you think? Can we take this journey? Awesome. Awesome. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you for the calling on our church, for the calling on us as individuals. You told us that, that we are your ambassadors, as though you were pleading with people through us. Come back to God. Be reconciled to God. God, help us to take up uh, that, that responsibility and that mantle. Help us to jump in, God, and pray and, and serve and get in a group and pursue our friends and participate financially. And in the end, God, we will give you all the glory and all the honor for what you're doing. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, next week is the fourth week of our series, the final week. It's going to be a blast. Bring your friends. You're not going to want to miss it. See you soon.